little girl would suggest I felt and still feel somewhat different. And it's not just the marriage part. I'm not obsessed with the idea of a big white dress draped in the rarest lace, the massive marquee with a 50-foot dance floor, the bridal bouquet made entirely of cream roses, or the Jo Malone peony and blush suede candles I'd love to place at every table to ensure the place smells divine. No, that's not it at all. I'm driven by the thought of marrying Ian. That's what I want. I want to be his wife, and I want him to want that too. My phone bleeps again through my headphones, bringing it up to my face and shielding it from the glare of the sun. I see it's my mum. She's phoned every day since we've been here, which is more than she'd usually phone me at home. She's getting ahead of herself, as usual. I had to have a word with her before we left for this very reason. It's happening, it's happening, she continuously shrieked when I went over to drop off an onion that she'd asked me to pick up for her on my way to visit my sister Michelle. I'm sure it was a ruse to get me over there as Ted was walking in with fish and chips for them both when I left. Pardon? I asked, frowning at her manic expression and hysterical excitement as she hopped from foot to foot. Even her own divorce hasn't been enough to dampen her joy at the prospect of marrying me off. Neither has the fact my younger sister Michelle is getting married to Stuart next week and that Michelle's about to drop mum's first ever grandchild shortly after been able to distract her. None of that is enough to wane her interest in me and my future nuptials. He's going to propose, I know it. Obviously, I knew what she was getting at. Every time I've mentioned this trip to friends or family, they've had the same reaction. Even the cashier in the local supermarket, who usually rattles through my basket of nutritious shopping without even acknowledging me, gave me a certain look when she spotted my suntan cream along with my usual collection of organic vegetables and asked where we were off to. But this is nothing new. Whenever we go away, it's the same. People suppressing their grins as though they know something I don't, or adamantly declaring Ian's going to propose while we're away, just like Mum did. I'm used to batting away their predictions, something I've realised I do for three reasons. One, because it's a little embarrassing having people speculate over my love life and whether Ian thinks I'm the one. Two, to stop myself feeling disappointed when the question doesn't come, because what these people don't realise is that they're feeding into my own hopes of that teeny tiny question being asked. And three, to stop them feeling sorry for me when I come home sans ring or fiancé. So I swipe my hands in front of my face, knocking their assumptions out of my aura. Is that how they work? And screw up my face while I give a strained, no, making it look like I'm not ready for that stage in our relationship anyway. Commitment from the love of my life is not what I'm after at all. Don't they realise I'm super hip and happy not to be a missus? I'm a feminist, don't you know? Hmm, don't believe a word of it. The issue is, I've been here so many times before, and each time it gets that little bit more humiliating. My heart literally skipped a beat when we were up in the Peak District, and I turned to find Ian on what I thought was one knee. He'd simply tripped. Not only that, but he landed in Calpat, so I had to listen to him moaning and smelling the whole way back to our tent, while I held the tears of disappointment that were stinging behind my eyes. Then there's the time he insisted we travel into London on New Year's Eve so we could watch the fireworks. Ian has no interest in New Year's or fireworks, so I thought it was his plan to get me somewhere romantic under false pretenses. Nope. He actually did want to watch the fireworks while being squished and pushed by thousands of strangers, all elbowing each other out of the way to secure the best view above the eye. Then there was Paris. Oh, Paris, how you failed me. The city of love turned into the city of nothing. A big project came in at work that urgently needed Ian's attention, and so he spent the whole time on his computer bashing away on his emails, or with his mobile phone pressed firmly against his ear. I don't even think he'd have noticed if I were there or not. Well, apart from the one horny bonk we had when we first arrived, which ended abruptly thanks to another ruddy phone call.
There wasn't a hint of a moor in the air, apart from the love affair Ian had with his electrical devices. I've had years of feeling excited and then disgruntled when the longed-for question hasn't been popped. Yet despite giving myself a stern talking to over the black hole of self-pity I will fall into when Ian doesn't get down on one knee in Dubai, I found I was smiling to myself as the plane took off from Heathrow. A feeling of anticipation flitted around my insides. At that point I did look to Ian with a look of complete and utter love, feeling like we were on the cusp of our forever promise. But here we are, thirteen days into our two-week holiday, ready to fly home tomorrow and the all-important finger is as bare as it was when we arrived. I thought it might happen on the first night, but then Ian announced he was shattered from travelling and wanted an early night. Then, when that didn't happen, I had high hopes for the second day. We were out on a boat trip after travelling to Kassar by bus earlier that morning, as soon as I saw the idyllic spot where we'd spent the night.